this is sexually explicit. No, that's a lie. It's only sexually related. But still, if you're not 18, um, move along now. And could you also talk about how hot the host is? And the host, uh, sitting across from me, I'm looking right at him. I can I can tell you about the, the chisel of his jaw and <laughs> his five o'clock shadow <laughs> and the wire room glasses. It's, uh, it's really remarkable i haven't been able to take my eyes off of it this entire See, now, now this time. has gone from being an honest podcast <laughs> to complete shit. <laughs> note to self if you ask someone to compliment you in the future edit that part out noted okay thank you for downloading another massacast uh, i have a lot of stuff to cover today very uh briefly first off the music still getting people emailing uh, music suggestions and thank you for that uh, this uh, song you're hearing now was a song uh, submitted by a guy named uh, Stiffy so thank you Stiffy and I'm sorry about the name your parents are very very cruel what else? oh the website of course massacast.com that's where you can leave comments you can leave suggestions you can also email me massacast at gmail.com you can also uh, leave a voicemail and it's totally private. I won't see your number. 917-720-7304. You can leave an insult, compliment, or just heavy breathing. That, that's fine, too. Uh, you can also uh, contact me on Skype. And that Skype username, of course, is Massacast. On the website, there's a PayPal, a donate button. You can donate cash to the podcast if you like. And thank you to everyone who's donated so far. 35 whole dollars. All that money is going to go back into the podcast. I've... Uh, I took that $35 and uh, bought a brand new microphone stand so I don't have to haul around this heavy cast iron thing. I'm not kidding, cast iron microphone stand that I've been using. So uh, thank you so much. I appreciate that and my, my back thanks you as well. Today on the podcast, going to talk to a friend of mine named Joan. And Joan and I uh, sat down in Central Park recently. Um, in fact, you can hear the wind a little bit in the conversation. That was kind of, bear with me, it gets, it gets much better. Because eventually we move and go inside a uh, local coffee shop. Don't want to give out free advertising, but the name of the coffee shop rhymes with Barbucks. Uh, now, Joan is a pro-dom and a switch. And so, of course, I started to ask her how she got into all this. I guess my first experience with it was when I was 16, I had a boyfriend who was into the aesthetic of it. The aesthetic of it, he wanted the fetish stuff. Yes, yeah, the fetish stuff. But um, he, I guess he maybe was into a little more of it than that, but I guess he hadn't explored it at the time. But he had like crops and cuffs and stuff just because he liked the style. Because he liked the way it looked. Yeah. And And at some point I was like, goofing around in his bedroom and I got the crop in my hand and I stood up on the bed and acted like I was going to hit him with it and he was like do it say, say, say something mean and I was like <laughs> I was like I can't <laughs> I just totally lost my nerve <laughs> so what was that was like that was, so that was the first thing you kind of it sounded like you act, not really accidentally but you kind of stumbled into I'm about to do something down in here but you, you couldn't do it so right. what was the what pushed you over the cliff well, I started doing it professionally, and I discovered I was quite good at it. I I started doing it just as it seemed like an interesting thing that I thought was a pretty cool way to go. There's actually a whole story about whenever I meet people and they're saying, how did you get into this? Um, I have a, a rehearsed story of how I got into it. 
do you want? I mean, do you want to share the rehearsed story, or is sure. the rehearsed story something that you rehearse because it's like, oh, okay, here I go again, got to tell the story, or is it just because you like telling the story? That's a good story. I think it's a good story. Well, by all means, let's let's hear the good story. Okay. Well, I was, I don't know if you remember, but I was in radio for a little while. Yes. I was a stripper when I was 19, and then. Um, I was working at this radio station in college, and they were going to have a hour-long special on the inside of strip clubs. And I wanted to hear what NPR had to say about strip clubs. And they were interviewing um, patrons and um, strippers, and they were interviewing this one woman um, pretty heavily. And she was saying like she had been a stripper for four years or so, and then she had gotten into professional domination for a while, and then something, something, something. And that was the first time I had heard, I knew what a dominatrix was, but it was the first time I heard you could do it professionally. And I was like, really? And, but they, that's, all they, that's all they mentioned about it. But that one thing just stuck out for you. Yeah, I was, and I, that kind of clicked in my head is, hey, that'd be kind of cool. But there was no opportunities to do it in that area. Right. Um, but it always stuck in my head is like, oh, that'd be kind of awesome. I don't know if I could do it. Oh, well, whatever. And then, when I was moving to New York, I was searching around Craigslist for job opportunities, and I was looking in like the the other and etc. Right. sections because I have flexible morals. <laughs> 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 and there was an ad there saying like looking for open-minded women for fetish fantasy roleplay only, no sex. And I was like, this is what they were talking about. So I sent them an email, and you know, the rest is history. How how does one how does one kind of come into their own when they're, when they're doing something like that? I mean, how do you... It is a long, slow process. I mean, I've, I've seen some people that are just naturals and they just know what their personality is going to be and it's pretty much the same, like, all the time. Like, right. you talk to them outside of the dungeon or you bring them inside. It's basically, they're just being themselves. But I'd say for most people especially me it's a it's a real process to figure out who mr so-and-so is going to be because she's a character right um especially like in a professional setting you know she's a two-dimensional fantasy for the most part and um and you also like a lot of people including myself come in with all of these stereotypes about what a mistress is right. with the boots and the whip and you know like you will do as i say and right. i think a lot of a lot of girls start off that way like trying to pull that off but it's best when you find what works for you personally do you find that to be a nice release from your day to day or you know to be someone else or do you find it to be like oh god i have to be someone i just want to be me uh, i absolutely find it to be a a release. Yeah. Um, I became a much kinder, friendlier, gentler person after after because, doing that for a while. Because you had an escape from all this other stuff. I had an outlet. So when I was, I, I could just tell people what I thought and just be horrible and do horrible things to them in a very specific setting. And then out in the world, it was like all the tension was gone. I could just be like, oh, no. right. <laughs> do you play in your personal life as well? I do. Yeah. Did, what was it that? There was a time when you said, oh, this is cool, but, you know, one thing I always wonder is, you do this for a living, you know, for a, a job is mm. still a job. I, you know, my job, I don't want to go home and do my job, right? Right. But what is it about playing in your personal life that you enjoy that you don't get from playing professionally? Well, 
for one, being me, I can be three-dimensional me instead right. of the two-dimensional mistress, um, <clears throat> and also the sex. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, two-dimensional mistress was my band in high school. <laughs> really? No, it wasn't. <laughs> okay. um, yes, the sex, I imagine that would, be, that would be. But in your personal life, I know you're a switch. Right. In your personal life, what, were you, what did you do first? Was it, uh, did you top first because that was what you were more comfortable with because you were doing it professionally or did, did you? I topped first because it was my personality. One of the reasons I'm good at being a pro-dom is because I'm, I'm just a dominant personality most of the time. So it just comes naturally to take a dominant role. But the, uh, I, I really think that the submissive side started coming out when I was doing when I was doing the pro stuff and I had the outlet for being dominant and so I wasn't just kinder and gentler out in the world but I was kinder and gentler in relationships and I also wanted to I wanted to experience it from the other end because mm -hmm. I hadn't I hadn't really ever explored it in, in some ways it's sort of like the guys who are real masochists and like pain specifically I'm sort of impressed by it and in some ways I'm like I want to see how much I can take. <laughs> in a way, it's almost a, I want to one-up them. Yeah, right? sort of. Do you, did you find doing it professionally made you a better bottom? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and it made me um, harder to bottom in some ways because I knew what I was doing. And when somebody would try to top me, it was like, that's cute. <laughs> 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 well, oh, I appreciate the effort. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to a relationship, mm -hmm. uh, you would be looking for a dominant then, it sounds like. Somebody who could fulfill that role in the bedroom at least. I don't need to be like, I don't need to be like the little kitten all the time. But in the bedroom, it just really does it for me if somebody can assume that role. You said you don't need to be the little kitten in the bed, you know. But it, well, I don't need to be the little kitten like in the rest of my life. I don't need to be like running them lunch or making them dinner right. or like. You said need to be, but it almost sound like there's part of you that would like that. I've done that. Yeah. I've been in that situation. It was it was very fulfilling in yeah. some ways. I've always been curious. I've, I've never had a, a serious relationship in BDSM or DS, but um, again, it's always the in my mind it's hot, mm -hmm. but would it be in reality? You know. It is hot in reality. <laughs> the reason it's so hot is because it is sexual, and it like the bedroom is the is the place where it all culminates mm -hmm. for me. So if I'm doing the submissive thing outside of the bedroom, if we're in a public place and he starts to puts his hand on the back of my neck and leads me from point A to point B, it's like, <sighs> and. <laughs> That it's it's foreplay basically. So if we're doing the if we're playing the the DS game out in the world, it's like everything is foreplay. So that's pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you enjoy DS aspects of DS as well? I mean, I'm saying I'm thinking like cause there are different levels of DS. Yeah. I find there are there are like there are the unspoken things like for example you mentioned like putting the hand on your back and directing you across the room. Back of my neck. Back of your neck. <laughs> and then it's sorry. A little more, it's a little more demeaning that well, way. Okay. <laughs> well, excuse me. Sorry to ruin your... Uh, no, okay, so putting... I mean, that's... 
that's kind of an unspoken yeah. uh, DS. Um, do you also enjoy more? I'm thinking of like protocols and things like that. Like I have a friend who she, who she tried with her boyfriend once. Um, that whenever she'd get home, he'd have to be kneeling at the door every day. You know, do you enjoy that thing? Those type of protocols as well, or it's never been that. Um, it's never been that obvious. It's like the thing that pops in my head when you say that is I was dating someone who um, like said that every time I came to his apartment that I should always greet him with I should always greet him with a kiss and that's like okay you know regular couples do that all the time right <laughs> sure but it was so much hotter whenever I'd walk in the door and he wouldn't he wouldn't approach me. He'd just stand there and, and wait. Wait. <laughs> that is that is pretty hot. Yeah. <laughs> You've got such a big, beautiful smile on right now. You've just got this great smile. What are the complications of relationships like that? Because is there sometimes you just you're just not feeling submissive, or you're not feeling that, so you just is that difficult to maintain? With the right personality, no, it's very easy to maintain. In fact, I. This, that particular person was somebody who said to me, like, you want to be submissive to me all the time, don't you? He wasn't, he wasn't demanding it. It was basically me, like, always. <laughs> you, were, right. you were perfectly fine. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, no, I didn't find that to be a complication. Well, that's great. I, I guess it's, it, it's nice to know that that is not just in my head. That's <laughs> nice. Uh, do any of your family members or close friends know about your kink? Both of my parents know that I down professionally. Do you mind if I ask how that conversation went? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good story too. <laughs> I was doing uh, the pro down thing and I was also had a, I also had another job. So I'm not a big liar but I will omit things. So whenever I'd talk to my parents on the phone they'd say how was work and I'd always talk about one and not the other. And then eventually, uh, I, I lost the other job, and I sort of avoided my parents for a little while. Mm -hmm. And then come Father's Day, I was like, I should call my father. Right. So I did. And he said, so, um, you don't have that job anymore? And I said, no. And he's like, so what are you doing? And I was like, that was the only thing I was doing. So I said, well, Dad. <laughs> I'm, I'm a professional dominatrix. <laughs> um, and how did dad know, and how did he handle it? He said, well, he, they had already known about the stripping thing as well, so okay. they kind of, they, and they know my personality, so it wasn't, it wasn't something that was like, I can't believe you're doing that. It was like, yeah, it figures, but they were still, he was more concerned about my safety. He asked a bunch of questions about, like, aren't you concerned that someone's going to follow you home or something? And I said, right. Dad, I'm really, most of my clients are more concerned about me knowing who they are. <laughs> so, <laughs> at some point he asked me, <laughs> favorite, my favorite thing he asked me during that conversation was, are you any good at it? He <laughs> <laughs> wanted to know if his work ethic had been instilled. I said, I'd like to think so. Um, and then... We, t we talked about it a little while, and then there was sort of a pause where we kind of laughed, and then was like, <sighs> so, and, and then I said, well, happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> how, how did mom take it? I didn't tell my mother directly. I think my father told her, but she doesn't speak to me about it. Okay. 
she's she, just like she knows but right. she but it doesn't affect your relationship it sounds no. like no it's good and my brother knows too i have an older mm-hmm. brother and at some point i was talking to him on the phone his question to me was so are you still punching guys in the asshole <laughs> <laughs> younger brother or older brother older brother yeah, okay. <laughs> it sounds like right now you're looking for a serious relationship yeah i normally am what avenues do you usually look for those i mean do, are you do you look in vanilla situations or do you, do you like do you, are you sticking with craigslist and adult friend fighter i don't know whatever are you uh, or i've done all of the above I find my most successful relationships are usually um, vanilla people that I meet in vanilla setting that end up being happily open-minded or into trying it out. So, how do you how do you bring that up? I mean, because I know for me, I know that there's no. Do you tell them right away, or do you kind of like ease into it? I tell them right away about the the domination because. It's not something I choose to hide. So it's like, you should know I'm a sex worker, and if that's a problem... <laughs> right, well, and that's a pretty good litmus test, right? Right, that, right. <laughs> right. I mean, if they're going to be freaked out, then screw them, right? Right. Uh, as far as the, me being a submissive... Um, I've become a little more open about that. As I've been in more variety of relationships and been more satisfied with some than others, mm-hmm. um, I've been more satisfied in DS situations where I'm the sub, so that's I'm trying to find people in a little more of an explicit way now. Yeah, I, uh, but I find um, when meeting someone in a vanilla situation, I've become more jaded. Really? Yeah. If I'm clicking it, if I'm, you know, if I meet someone at a vanilla party or something like that, and I'm clicking with someone, and if it's clear that she's, but first off, I'm kind of like I assume she's vanilla. If she's interested, I'll say, well, there's something you should know about me, you mm-hmm. know? I'm, I'm kinkier than the average person, I'll just put it that way. And then, usually they're like, oh yeah, no, I'm kinky too. Which usually means, <laughs> I have sex with the lights on. You know? <laughs> and um, they also assume I'm dominant for some reason. Because in vanilla situations, the guy usually is. Right. And then when they find out, they're like, they're either like, oh, well, I prefer to be submissive, or you, and they run away. Uh, which is fine. I mean, that's... I don't blame them for being vanilla, you know. But um, I've also found that... And I have tried the other way, where I kind of like... I want to slowly... I like this person a lot. I want to get to know them, and then slowly let them know about me, and hopefully they'll be interested, right? That that's never a lot of out. effort for it's, it, 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 <laughs> let down. It never, it never works out. So now I'm like... I'm sort of like the, I ain't got time for this shit. <laughs> right. I want you to beat the shit out of me, you know, or where this is over. You know? Yeah, right. Um, I said, I, that's, that's where the dominant side comes. I'm like, listen, you need to be able to do this. Okay. First off, I don't say that. This is like my internal monologue. I would never say that. <laughs> it was at this point we were getting a little cold, so uh, we decided to go into a coffee shop. And uh, then I asked her about uh, her sexual preference. I know she, she likes playing with women as well, but if she considers herself bisexual or not. I've been with women, but I like penis entirely too much to consider myself bisexual. So, but you, you played with women. Um, uh, well, I mean, I've I've had sex with women, and um, I've done some like S and M with women, but they were usually just friends, and we were just fucking around on the off hours. <laughs> okay. My question was, was going to be. Uh, do you notice a difference between submissive females and submissive guys when you play with them? 
Um, the little experience I've had with submissive females is that they're much better at it. Really? I, I, as I ask, is try not to sound offended. Uh, how so? I don't know. They're just cuter. <laughs> so they're better at it because they're good. I, I'll agree with you on that one. I mean, sure. They, they, it's since I, since I've grown to know about myself, I prefer a man to take a dominant role when he's on his knees and looking up at me with the puppy dog eyes. It's, it's like, it, well. I can't take them seriously, which is good if I'm dominating them, right. but bad if I'm trying to have a relationship with them. Of course. Um, um, also, you have to consider, though, that um, I'm, I'm, I prefer a situation where I'm submissive in a, in a personal setting, and that, um, that that stereotype of the big, strong male and the, the weak female is, is, is what resonates with me. So regardless of which side I'm standing on, when a girl's on her knees, it, it, I identify that with my fantasy, even though I'm usually the girl on, the knee, on right. my knees, that, um, that it resonates with me as like, oh, well, this, this is hot. Like, I, I, I was having a conversation with um, one of my guy dumb friends the other day. He, he said something that I had thought several times that basically... Um, <laughs> lifestyle DS situations from the outside to an untrained eye can look a lot like domestic violence. And I admit, like, as I've, I've been in this world, the, the kinky world, for several years now, and as I become more accustomed to it, the hotter that kind of seems to me. So not, you know, I want to, <laughs> I know it's wrong, but that's part of the hotness. It's right. like if I'm watching a movie or a television show or, they, or it's a, clearly a domestic violence situation, I know I'm not supposed to like it, but there's a part of me that's like, that's kind of sexy. So it's the, I don't know, I guess I, I'm, I'm, I've never heard this before, and this yeah. is very interesting. No, and I'm thinking It's very sure. politically incorrect for me to no, say, and I am same, a feminist. <laughs> well, no, but keep in mind, but at the, at the same time, isn't it more feminist to admit what you like and not be ashamed of it? Well, you know, I, I, I seriously think the fact that it's, that it's taboo with the feminist movement and everything and that being labeled as wrong makes it sexier to me the fact that it is wrong right you know so maybe it's the feminist's fault <laughs> <laughs> yeah, blame hey listen it's your fault I wouldn't be in this if you didn't hate it if as soon as you start wrapping your arms around it then I'll be totally against it <laughs> exactly <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't bother me because I know that um, I'm the type of person that wouldn't allow myself to be in a true domestic violence situation. I, I need to believe that the person who's hurting me has a genuine affection for me and that it is consensual. It's, it's, it's a fantasy, right? So it's like, I don't want to live uh, in fear and I don't want to be beaten within an inch of my life, but knowing that he could strike fear in me if he wanted or that he's not against beating me in a sexual situation, you know, it's a, it's a fuzzy line, right. but... It's a, it's a sexy fuzzy line. <laughs> no, I totally, I totally, I totally understand what you're talking because I, I, I have the same, I have similar fantasies where I, my fantasies usually revolve around, um, I'm on, I'm on a plane with the Swedish bikini team and the plane crashes and oh my god, I'm the only guy and so they have, you know, and all of a sudden there's a nuclear warhead and we have to repopulate. Right. <laughs> they, not only do they beat me within an inch of my life every single night, but they also fuck my brains out, you know, which would be, you know, totally implausible. 
for only one reason. How do you get all the Swedish bikini team on the plane? Everything else is perfectly. I've got everything else lined up. Right, the nukes are in place. I just have to, but um, but no. And there's no such thing as a Swedish bikini team. There used to be. I don't well, think they, so. At least they claim. <laughs> just on Budweiser commercials or whatever Damn, it was. What, are you saying Budweiser commercials aren't? <laughs> next thing you're going to tell me, Spuds McKenzie wasn't a real millionaire. <laughs> we were talking on the way over here about um, how many of my vanilla friends know about this part of me, and I don't. Like I said, I don't hide it from anybody. Um, the submissive thing I don't talk readily about. Uh, but, like, the kinky pro-dom stuff, I, I do. Um, I was having a discussion with one of my vanilla friends about guys and sex. And she said that one of her uh, female friends at work said that the, the optimal guy is something they called a tabler. Okay, I gotta hear this. A tabler. <laughs> and that it's like this fantasy of, of being in a relationship with a guy or having sex with a guy who's not afraid to just, like just like take you and like bend you over a table just like knock all the stuff off and bend you over the kitchen table and just fuck your brains out and that um and she and i were discussing about how hard it is to find that guy um because of things like the feminist movement being being politically correct and treating women with respect and all this kind of stuff that guys these days are basically trained to you know be, be as cautious and as nice as possible you know all this right. stuff like no means no and um, don't be forward and, you know and, and right. it's like is this okay I don't want to intrude in your space and exactly. stuff like that and that now we've got this like people in my generation and women like me that are like can't you just you know just bend me over something and stick it in right. for Christ's sake <laughs> it's hot <laughs> right. It's it's not as much about the act as it is about. Because remember, like women are all very brain oriented. It's like getting in their heads makes <laughs> them all wet. <laughs> um, Damn it! It's not about the act as as much as it is the um, the forwardness, the not asking, the doing right. what you're gonna do. One time I was having sex with this person, and I just met him. So we were still like, I mean, I just met him, but. We were getting a feel for each other, right? And he's behind me, and we're like, kind of like spooning, I guess. Right. And he he full on puts his hand around and grabs my face, my face, you know? Right. <laughs> Which is kind of rude, right? Right. First of all, I, I, I know. It, I mean, this is from the opposite point of view this is hot for me exactly I, mean, I, like, I wish the woman would do that you know of all the things to grab you right. know he grabs my face and I thought nice you know and the thing was it, you have to have a certain amount of for lack of a better term disrespect for the other person do you think it's disrespect or do you think it's a confidence in knowing that they can get away with it and that you enjoy it I think part of the confidence in knowing that they're going to get away with it is that they, and remember, like, I didn't know them that well. Oh, okay. Is is that they don't give a shit whether they get away with it or not. They're just going to do what they're going to do. So you're the, you're the type of woman that likes, kind of like the asshole kind of guys, in some circumstances. Um, I've dated an asshole or two, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, I, if I'm putting words in your mouth, no, by all means, don't. I mean, um... You, you. Uh, we're not going to mention anything, any specifics. But uh, when we were walking from Central Park to this undisclosed Starbucks, 
you mentioned that you're on uh, some alternative dating sites, some kinky dating sites now. Yeah. You look like you already don't want an eye one. I'm just I, like rolling my eyes about the whole thing. Well, here, here's my question. Uh, I had a conversation with a few different, with a dominant guy recently, actually, mm-hmm. and uh, and there was a, a, a dominant... Really? What's his name? What's his name? <laughs> and, and, a, and a dominant woman as well. So it was me, a dominant guy, a dominant woman. We were having conversations. We are talking about initial emails on these websites uh, and who has it harder. Mm-hmm. And the dominant woman pretty much said, okay, I've got it the easiest, right? But then the there became a, cont- a contest of who... Basically, who has the biggest pity party? Was it me or was it the dominant guy? Right. And the dominant guy said that he has the problem that if he does, if he sounds too respectful, if he sounds too nice, he might not get the interest of the woman. At hmm. the same time, if he sounds too dominant, mm-hmm. he might not get the interest of the woman. Because it depends on what she's looking for, right? If she wants a guy who's gonna grab her face, and she just, and that doesn't sound like the kind of guy who grabs the face, right. she might not reply. Because, right. You know, whereas I said, you know, I have, I have, I have, you know, the, the, a similar problem is if I sometimes if I sound too submissive, uh, they won't reply, and if I sound if I sound casual, they think I'm not submissive, right? Well, that's I think that's one of the fundamental issues and problems with dating on kinky websites is that you've you've narrowed down your your selection, your population of people by their sexual interests. So they are approaching each other not as people, but as um, people who are looking to get some ass. <laughs> right. And so they approach one another with, you know, with, with that sort of like, this is how I I'm, I'm, should be in the bedroom kind of thing. And it's right. like, I don't like it if somebody's going to email me and be dominant at me. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, there's time for that. Um, first approach me as a human being. But of course, I'm I'm probably the one in the wrong there. I'm probably the one that's saying like, I'm the one in the in the kinky website trying to get people to not talk to me about sex initially, right? So that's that's my fault. But that's that's why I was saying that I get most of my most successful kinky relationships have been initiated in a vanilla setting because we get to know each other as people, and then the rest of it just luckily luckily works out (laughs) Uh, is being a pro have you been in situations where that was fine in the beginning relationship but then sometimes they they don't like it later on yeah what normally happens is that they'll they'll think it's kind of interesting and maybe and kind of think it's like oh she's kind of she's interesting she has this cool job and I get to say I'm dating a dominatrix and whatever. Okay, and then that wears off, and then right. they become tolerant of it. Right. And then that wears off, and then they become a little bothered by it. That's going to be very frustrating. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they're bothered to the point where um, they just can't be in a relationship with me. Um, most of the time, they're bothered to the point where I have to adjust something where they, maybe they just don't want to hear about it or maybe I will change what I'll do in a session. Like I was dating a guy who was um, really into my ass and spanking it and all that. I thought that was great. And then he got wind that I was doing ass worship, which is n- not like oral servitude of my asshole. It's just, you know, like they get to kiss it and grab it and right. think it's awesome. And he was like, no, 
that's that's my ass and no one else touches it. And right. I was like, okay, you know, I'm willing to adjust here. I won't do that anymore. And I and I didn't. And I haven't since, even though that relationship is no longer standing. It was still like, I can survive without it, you know. In fact, I kind of like people not touching me. So. Right. It, makes it, it makes it even more special when it does happen, right? In your personal life, I mean. Right, right. So, I mean, there's been some compromises. Um, the, I can only think of one situation where the guy kind of went apeshit on me where initially he was okay with it but he was only okay with it because he didn't know anything about it and I tried to make it clear to him even on the first date I'm like do you understand what that means or are you just cool with it because you don't know what I'm talking about and he thought he understood but then I like to talk about work and like crazy shit I've done so I was just relaying some story and he did not think it was funny he did not think anything about it was okay and at that point on we had, we had this conflict and he would he called me a prostitute to my face on several occasions he would keep calling my clients my johns just to decode me and the thing was that um i mean it wasn't a very long relationship of course but that he he was he was a dom and whenever he would dom me after we had this kind of impasse I couldn't trust that he had affection for me anymore. Mm. So, like, whenever he would be violent with me, I never knew if it was going to have a tinge of um, genuine dislike or anger, you know, that he was taking something out on me. And, I mean, it was it was a learning experience. So I was like, okay, okay, not going to be in this situation anymore. Right. You know? <laughs> if you could create your, your ultimate dude, mm-hmm. uh what would be the things that he would be into? Oh, I don't know. I, I find that what gets me hot is a... And this is another one of those politically incorrect things. Um, what gets me hot is feeling like I'm being objectified. I'm so with you on this one, yeah. <laughs> so, um... I'm not... Well, I was going to say not in front of other people, but, like, I, I do... And this, is, this has been true ever since I was a teenager, that I like being the trophy girlfriend. I like to wear the heels and put on the dress and basically be an accessory. Even though I know like I'm, I'm, I'm more than that, but I guess I have enough confidence in my intellect that I don't mind like slipping into the, the, the arm candy situation. Well, I think it's probably because your intelligence that allows, that is why you enjoy that. You know what right. I mean? There's a certain level of intelligence that someone needs to have to have in order to appreciate it in that way. Right. You know what I mean? Right. But, like, I... I like guys that like it when I dress up. Like, mm-hmm. if I'm making a point. See, my, my aggression in the... Aggressiveness, rather, in a sexual scenario is to, to try to be as attractive as possible. To... Um, know whatever their buttons are and not necessarily to approach them and to hop on them and to fuck their brains out but to kind of like wave it in front of their face and just like drive them nuts until they like just hop on me and fuck my brains out so it's not that I don't initiate anything I just initiate in a very passive way and if they have like triggers like lingerie or stockings or um, whatever you'll be like oh stockings how did I get those I'm I'm gonna go out and buy some more shit like let me show you the thing I got. You know? <laughs> so, I, I mean, I think it's a two-way street as far as that goes. But, um, so, that's a certain kind of objectification, right? 
I, no, I think that's not a certain kind. I think that okay, is. That you know, is okay. a, I think it comes right out. And, but I, uh, and then like being forced to do things like sexual things is um, always always works like a magic. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again so much, Joan, for for sitting with me. And uh, if you or someone you know would like to sit down, and you don't have to be in person, we could have the conversation over Skype. Uh, feel free to email me massacast at gmail.com or just go on the website there's a whole bunch of other ways to contact uh, me there massacast.com thank you again so much for listening and uh, appreciate you spreading the word we'll talk to you later bye bye <laughs>